Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Hashtag Leadership, What's On Your Mind. Remember, we're a podcast to make you stop and think about your leadership journey. And we're going to be speaking to amazing people, amazing stories and experts in their field. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you follow us on your podcast provider. And every Wednesday morning at 6am, another episode is going to be flying your way to add value to your journey. So today we are speaking to Mark. How are you doing, sir? Hi, good morning. Yeah, so this is quite a fun. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm a bit worried about how we're going to get this into 20 minutes. But um, at the start of the year, I was doing some um, leadership and development workshops at Loughborough. And then I spotted this handsome guy in the corner. <laughs> and it was a blast from the past. So so Mark is ex-military. He'll introduce himself in a second. Um, but now is, is very much part of an elite sporting setup. And as you guys will know so far, I love talking about the the link and the transition and the experience of sport um, into leadership. So, Mark, as I hit the 20-minute timer, could you please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing? Okay. Good morning. Uh, my name is Mark Silver. I'm the current performance director for Great Britain Bobsley. Uh, I got involved in Bobsley back in 2008. I started my journey through the military. And since then, I've progressed through certain aspects, through certain teams. I was very fortunate at the last two Olympic Games to uh, represent Jamaica and take the cool run-ins there. We had the best qualifying ever at the last Olympics for Jamaica, which was a task and a half, whilst uh, combining the role of uh, Great Britain bobsleigh and also uh, the military. I am still actually serving still. I'm, I'm a flight yes. sergeant still in. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be allowed the opportunity to uh, help Great Britain bobsleigh for two years on a scheme where it allows elite coaching and athletes to go away and learn. And, and what they hope is that when I come back to the military in, in two years' time, then I'll bring back my experiences to make the military better. So not only is... Uh, are we looking outside on civilian? The the military is looking at what it needs to be better dealing with the youths of today and society. I think so. Uh, yep, that's me. Yeah, I love that, and it, and I suspect that listeners not knowing much about the military, they probably didn't know that that happened, and that happens not a it happens quite a lot, doesn't it? Not everybody gets the opportunity, but I think it's a good link isn't it taking that learning back into the military well what used to happen was and predominantly has happened is that the athletes go out so if you have a high performing athlete for example josh McAnally, who's at bath rugby uh, or uh, an international rugby player shan wayne stevens the bobsleigh driver it's uh, what they can do is request time away i was the first example where they used it for coaching because right. it, it was something different where they looked at how the athlete benefits the RAF, but now they were looking at how from a coaching perspective that somebody managerial wise can, you know, it's whilst the military does have its man, it's changing and it changes all the time. And just because the military has a way of delivering things, it doesn't mean it's always the right way. And to get somebody the opportunity to go out into elite sport, try and be, you know, and deliver there and bring back what they learn in ensures that the Air Force has a rounded manager and has feedback from externally as well. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. And and already my head's ticking of are there opportunities for for businesses to be doing that? There, there are. We know there are, but probably something that people haven't thought about before. So um we're obviously hashtag leadership, what's on your mind? Uh, what comes to your mind when you hear the word leadership? So I wrote some points, so I got the questions about <laughs> these. So again, it was, I'm, I'm very understanding, looking at a question, right, very, uh, I'm breaking each down, how can I look at it? 
And something that, that, that when I looked at leadership was, you know, the first thing, and I think this is the military side of me, is uh, delivering a task, right? So I look at, I think of leadership, you know, completing, you know, and that's the military side of me, making decisions. But then I looked at how, 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 you, how I've done that myself through the years and, you know, how I've got the best. And, you know, it's exploring all options, you know, planning. Planning is key for me, you know, A, I'm, I'm somebody that spends my time planning and quite often it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and very rarely do I go past B, right? <laughs> I spend all this time creating all the plans, what if, what if, just in case. And I think as time goes on, that process has got smaller, so maybe I'm not down to H anymore, maybe I only go as far as D, but it's okay. the ability to react when a curveball comes or when something changes, and within the military we see that frequently, but I see it just as often outside of the military and, and within elite sport, there are more than examples of that, you know. But then something that when I looked at the getting the best out of everyone, and it's it's something where I get the most pride out of. And and that is uh, an example of that was the children's football I coached. You know, I did my FA coaching football uh, level one to, to take the local footy team. And, you know, that for me was the ability to see somebody that had no football ability to be able to lead them through the process of becoming good at football and enjoying it from going mm -hmm. from a child turning up being upset because they no longer they're not able to do something is is to then see them going away smiling but that's no different in in any walk of life whether that's an elite athlete whether that's in the air force with a guy fixing an airplane and and getting that enjoyment out of it it's it's putting something back in right and that to me is is what leadership the biggest thing for me is I don't need any praise, I don't need anything from it. A smile from somebody because they've achieved something is far outweighs it. And I took a coaching course once. There was uh, an anaesthetist who turned up at uh, in Austria. She 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 bought a package to become a bobsleigh driver. Fifty six years of age, right? Had no bobsleigh sport experience. Uh, her husband was push, pushing it, right? Some motorcycle guy. Uh, they they bought a package of a friend, and he asked me, could you know what I teach them to drive? And she drove for the whole week and she took part in the British Championships on the Friday against two guys who'd just come back from the Olympics. She didn't wow. crash all week and she raced against them. She sent me an email of which she just said, thank you, you have taken me to a place in my life that I never thought I could ever have. And that was, that meant everything to me. And that, yeah. that is what the leadership was about to me, that I'd been part of that journey to make that happen for her. You know, she said, I, I didn't, I overcame so many fears and so many things but to be able, and she raced in the British Championships, you know, she didn't crash it, and she done great. So it's, that to me is, it's the whole rounded thing of, yeah. of looking at an area, what you need to perform, planning. You've got to plan it. You know, you've got to look at what is your intent, what you want to achieve. You know, should you not achieve that? And, and something in the military we are often is, you know, gold, silver, bronze, case, best scenario. It's, I always, you know, I try and look at what is it I want to achieve. And I, and I don't set myself too many other targets because quite often you can you can accept then if you're setting these other targets, I look at what is I want to achieve. And, mm -hmm. and that is what I want to achieve. I can accept if I don't achieve it, if I've done everything possible. Uh, and 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 I can accept something below that if it's, you know, if I've done everything within my right. But it's it's setting that out early and I'm planning back to how you're going to get there. Yeah, I, I just want to pick up on one thing you said because I don't think we've harvored on this point probably to the extent that you mentioned and it reminded me of my experience with being proud of somebody else and we have talked about on the podcast about leadership the the, the selfless leadership it's about other people but I don't think we've talked about it in the proud mentality and, and my experience is that 
I remember my parents being proud of me joining the military. And I remember being proud of being in the military and doing a job I love to do. However, I didn't get the fact that my parents were really proud. Let me explain. But now I've got four children. And when they achieve something, I just think I'm absolutely blown away and proud. And when other people, and you explained it really well then, but I think necessarily it's not really talked about to that extent in leadership. I think you put it across really well about the impact that has on you as a leader and drives you forwards. Um, so I love that. It's helped me with other people looking at me as a leader as well, because when they see people in that situation, especially in elite sports, when you see somebody achieve something, right, you know, at the Olympic Games, for example, Sean Wayne Stevens finished, you know, his fourth run in the four man, got out to the bobsleigh, started crying and hugging me. It was such mm -hmm. a relief, you know, and my first concern was, hey, don't cry on TV get away because that's the stuff that you want you know to protect him because that's that's my job right my yeah. job is but he he felt comfortable enough he he'd been on the journey we'd been on the journey together in and achieving these great things and it was emotionally that high point for him but yeah. again even at that point I was still and and for me it's it's will it always be the right way to lead no it won't there'll be times where people will get out and it's different to the person right and it's yeah, yeah. you look at each example but for me to know if I'm winning in leadership and management, it's the people that I've got. Are they happy? You never keep everybody happy, and I accept that. But you know, are there more people happy? It's it's the personal touch. You know, how are you doing today? How's you know how's Amy? How's your daughter? How's other things? And it's it's important because that's what builds leadership and gets not just one person driving a team. It gets the whole team driving forward together. Yeah. And that, that is so much more effective and powerful, and you achieve things above your region by being a team and have yeah. a good leader who really isn't a leader. He's just the person that's there because if he's leading right, he's not making the decisions. He's allowing the team to make that because, yeah. if, and, and it's something that I'd said later on, if I'm doing my job, I shouldn't really be leading because I'm allowing them to lead and they're coming to the right answers because I'm putting the right questions in there to get them to go forward together, right? Yeah, I love that. So staying with you personally, um, and I'm excited to see how far back you've thought on this question. So we always ask people about where did your leadership journey start? So is it on reflection? Now I'm asking you about it. Or was there a light bulb moment at the time? I've got a suspicion we're going to probably go back quite a long way here. Where, where would you go to um, at the start of where you are now? Like, where did your leadership journey start? But I, I, I wrote down, and, and again, I'm a deep thinker into where I look, and uh, I went back to uh, school, you know, football team captain, you know, a, a football team, a captain, a voice, somebody that would say, like, listen, guys, we're playing this team today, uh, we need to go out there, we need to play well, we need to work hard, we need to do this, and then I'd probably say more when I got to under 16s, I was the rugby team captain, which in Wales is a big thing, right? You really, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's important to everybody there, right? We have like, so to be a captain of the rugby team at under 16, that, that to me was, uh, I was showing signs of leadership then, but it was more, I was a different leader then, uh, you know, I was a heart and soul leader that led by example, maybe Roy Keane, not as bad as Roy Keane in terms of, but that was what I did, I went out on the pitch, I worked the hardest, I did whatever it took to be the best at that, so that was where my journey started of being a leader. I would then say it changed. I joined the Air Force and even through, you know, I joined the Air Force in 1998. I was 22 at the time. 
Uh, and then I got promoted to corporal in 2006. And with being promoted to corporal, you, you sit leadership and management courses. It's where you go away, you, you get your tree poles, you get everything, and it allows you to develop. But I'd already shown examples before then when I'd, uh, for, at Odium as an SAC, I'd, you know, I'd taken a team to Cyprus for two weeks. And it was, right, what needs to be done? Right, we need to go to Cyprus. Okay, how do we get there? Aeroplane. How do we book the aeroplane? And it's that's as simple as what simplicity my simplicity of it. I love simplicity. That. Let's not make it complicated. Any process yeah. will only become complicated if you make it. It it is you know I I would plan and go through you know I need an aeroplane to get there. I need accommodation. Right. Whilst we're there, we'll need food and water. It may be hot. We need an air conditioning unit. How are we going to get around? We need a car. All right. And it's a bus. And that's how I would break it down. You know, even as an SAC, you know, back when I was 24 with no real life experience of dealing with things, uh, I'd looked at that. Then 2011, I became a sergeant and 2012, I did my first trip to Afghanistan. So for, for the listeners not knowing, in Afghanistan, we have a, uh, a MIR team, a medically emergency and response team that would have been two Chinooks which would have a full operating theater and would be ready to lift within minutes. You know, uh, a Chinook would take off normally 20 to 30 minutes of warm-up process that an alarm bell would go and everybody would run out and that helicopter would be lifting within five minutes going towards the army casualty to bring them back. Uh, I had, uh, I was a sergeant, but did some of the roles where we were, what was a Rex controller, 10 Chinooks. They all had to be serviced. They all had to be ready. We had 60 guys out there. Now, what I found was I, I was walking home one evening and I was getting frustrated because we had guys that would, uh, guys and girls that would just sunbathe out there. So when the buzzer would go, right, they, they would take longer to put stuff on. And uh, I was speaking to another sergeant and he said to me, uh, listen, if you let things like that frustrate you, you're never going to get the best out of guys. And, and, and I thought about that and it was right. And, and what I turned around to do was I allowed them a time to sunbathe. So then, then it meant that, yes, but for the rest of the time, they were always there and, you know, get a tea, get stuff. And that was a big thing for me. And that was a high pressure environment where life's depended on it. Right. So mm -hmm. it was, but yet still, it's, it's funny because people say to me uh, in doing the bobsleigh, you know, the bobsleigh must be really easy. And, and when I refer to it now, elite sport, I find harder than what I found was 60 people in the military because 60 people in the military, where we mentioned before we came online about autocratic, this needs to be get done. This needs to be done now. You go and do it. And in the military, we all go off and go and do it, right? Whereas in when we come out into the uh, real world and elite sport, you, you know, it, it isn't the way that you can get the best out of people because they're not used to being spoken to like that. And you have to look at and say, hey, how are you doing? And you use of questions to try and get them. Uh, 2012, I became the bobsleigh team manager. And that, that was a key thing for me. Whereas in other stuff, I'd always been the subject matter expert, you know, so I always knew a lot about the sport. But I'd come into bobsleigh, I'd had two or three years sliding as a driver. I wasn't international driver. Uh, you know, my claim to fame is I came third in the British champs as a driver one year, but that was because somebody got disqualified and somebody crashed. Uh, yeah, he's mentioned that. But... <laughs> I, I beat some of the guys who've, who've been to the Olympics and I've yeah. beaten the bronze medalist, you know, an Olympic bronze medalist that time. But it was uh, it was more through luck than judgment or skill. And I was I was 33, 34 joining the sport. I'd played rugby. Uh, I'd, I'd retired from rugby, I had lots of injuries, and it was something that the Air Force gave me a chance to kind of do. Uh, so that I took over the team manager role, and that was hard because there's a lot of Great Britain athletes. There's a lot of uh, people within the sport that looked upon me as if to say, this guy knows nothing about it. Uh, mm. But for me, that changed my management and leadership. It was then I realised I needed a team around me to give me that comfort to be able to deliver on where I needed to. 
and, and how I did that was ensuring that I got the team around me, uh, which I still have members of those team, people that you trust to do, you know, if you need stuff to be done. But more importantly, people that will question you as well. You know, I don't want to be in an environment where people go, right, yeah, if Mark says it, that's what happens. I don't want that. I want yeah. to be questioned. I want people to say, right, okay, why are you doing that? What needs to be done? Why are we going there? Are you sure? You know, and yes, they'll always get the sarcastic answer. Yeah, of course, I'm sure. But <laughs> you need questioning. Everybody is answerable, right? And and whether that's leading the kids, hey, coach, you know, should we be doing that? That's a great idea. You've got to allow them the ability to open their mind because if you're somebody that isn't approachable, then they won't. And sometimes yeah. the best the best solutions will come from the kids, yeah. your team members, and anything else. Uh, also, so uh, can I, I? So we've got we've got four and a half minutes left. It goes quick. I want to ask you about some of the impact moments of your journey um, that have had a profound effect on who you are now and your ability to have a high-performing culture with people and, and yourself in that bracket as well. So what would you choose, your impact moments, whether positive or negative, that have led to the, I always talk about the toolbox of leadership and that have led you to where you are now. What are some of the things that you'd pick out in the last, um, we've got four minutes left. What would you choose? Well, success in it. So I think for me, it's success and failure because you learn from both. But I believe, you know, you fail small and, and get big success. So it's, it's never being afraid to take yourself uh, away from where you feel comfortable and put yourself in an environment where you don't. So for those examples, the RAF bobsleigh coach. You know, I took over a team that had finished last for 13 years against international athletes. Within two years, we'd started winning and won frequently throughout my tenure. I then turned it over to look at, uh, you know, Jamaica bobsleigh. Their aim was uh, to get a four-man to the Olympic Games. My aim was to get a, a two-man, four-man monobob and two-woman with no money and nothing, right, with no athletes. And yeah. we got three of the four. You know, to the games, he, he finished the season in the top 50% of all world athletes where Great Britain's second sled didn't qualify for the Olympics, a two-time Olympian. We got a guy who'd never been to an Olympics, was a, was a Joe average guy from in the military with mediocre athletic ability. Uh, but he was so determined and so driven to, to achieve his goals. We planned yeah. it and it worked. It was executed. And so then it, can I, sorry to interrupt again, but I, I really want to harbour on that point because what you just said then, saying it sounds dead easy <laughs> and when I saw you in February you were going for the funding for the next Olympic cycle yeah so when you said in two years you turned it around and you got success and that Jamaica if you were to put that in some fundamentals and I think this is a really good point to sort of like finish the podcast on like what sort of things changed to get that massive impact nothing okay it's planning. It's it's planning, and I look at it's a format, it's structure, it's it's setting up what you want to achieve and having the drive to achieve it because things are hard and it's you get given nothing in life. And for him, I was sat on a Saturday afternoon with Shan. You know, my son's autistic, dancing on my kitchen table, and Shan was moaning he had no money from Jamaica and had no ability to get to Austria to drive there. You know, and I spoke to him frankly. I said, listen, you know, I'm sat here. I'm doing Great Britain. I'm doing the RF job. I'm doing this. If all you've got to moan about is you haven't got a car. My friend's got a car. He lives in Bourne. Go collect that car and drive to Austria. Because if you don't, your journey doesn't continue. But if you do, we're in with a chance. He got the car. He drove to, uh, drove to Austria. And that was the start of the journey. 
And it's wow. you've got you've got to have a team that buys in. It normally takes 24 hours for him to drive out. And when we say cool runnings, listen, he could easily film a cool runnings too because the wheel fell off the trailer, the car tire blew up. Uh, and something else happened. It took him 48 hours to get out there. So I'm at home and my phone's ringing, right? Did I answer the phone? No. What could I do? I didn't know anybody in Germany that had a car that or a tire that could give to him. He needed his own leadership then, didn't he? And, you know, it was at that point where I let him not fail, but it was more, right, listen, you're going to have these hurdles. How are you going to deal with it? And listen, I will support you when you make that decision. And I will. I will always support anybody that makes a decision. But at least have, don't always take the easy option. Think to you, right, I've got A, B, C, D, and we go to it again, which is the hardest option, you know, or, because that's normally the right one. It's the one which isn't the quick one. It isn't the cheapest one. It's the one that gets the job done for what you need. And, and, and that's what he did. And that set him up. He, he very rarely got me because I didn't have, and I, I laughed when he was, the phone was ringing. I said, I know there's something wrong. Something else has gone wrong, but let's see how he deals with this. And it, 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 it allowed me to examine his leadership because I can't lead forever, right? You've got to develop yeah. everybody else's leadership too. Oh, do you know what? What a great way to finish the podcast because how often do we hear that when the easiest answer is to, to do it yourself and give the answers out? And actually, it's a win-win for both, doesn't it? That your awareness that I can't actually help now and give that person, it's almost like that tough love, isn't it? On that, you know, like they've got to step up for themselves and how much, how they obviously maybe not think about it at the time, but on the and I think we just started a new movie as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your coming down to the premiere and everything. Uh, <laughs> no, Mark, that, that's amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. I no think problem. that's so valuable for people to listen to that and, I know, and I always ask the audience to to write in and put on the social media about what your takeaways were from that, because I think there's quite a few light bulb moments that people can have there listening to it. So thank you so much. Um, so ladies and gents, if you've enjoyed that, make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel, make sure you follow us on your podcast provider, and then you'll get every Wednesday at 6am another amazing person coming. We've got some phenomenal guests coming at the same standard as Mark. Um, so Mark, thank you again. Thank you. You're welcome. And we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye.